Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bell. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Friday, August 26, 2022. Okay, we'll take a look at what went on with the markets today. They had a down day, but uh, probably an overreaction, but we'll talk about what went on. Uh, Going to continue on with the investment lessons today, talking about different types of stocks. So we have that, uh, and then we have some uh, market news also to look at. Okay, so what happened is uh, Federal Reserve Chairperson Jerome Powell, uh, Federal Reserve has a meeting, Central Bank of the United States. They meet in Jackson Hole, Wyoming each year, uh, this time of year, and they issue a policy statement. So the market has been anticipating that. Jerome Powell came out and basically said that the Federal Reserve is going to aggressively continue to fight inflation for as long as it takes and will continue to raise interest rates to slow the economy down. And the market did not like that news. So we had Dow Jones Industrial Average down over 1,000 points, although we usually look at percentages, down 3.03%, S&P 500 down 3.37%, and the NASDAQ Composite down 3.94%. Now, one thing I've talked about in the past, the stock market tends to overreact to things, particularly on the downside. Uh, it's like that friend or relative you might have that like, overreacts to everything, and then they calm down. Uh, it, that's kind of like the market, uh, but particularly this time of year. You know, in the last session, I talked about dur during the last two weeks of August, a lot of the traders on Wall Street, uh, they take off for into summer vacations because schools up, up in that area don't start till after Labor Day. And uh, we've seen trading volumes drop by about 15%, which is nothing unusual. We see that most years. Uh, and we tend to see more volatility in the market, particularly on the downside. So I think that's part of it. Uh, statistically, August is actually the worst month of the year for stock markets. A lot of people think it's October because that's when the big crashes were. Uh, but it's actually August. Uh, and Friday, of any day during the week, markets tend to go down more on Fridays than other days. As a lot of big institutional investors tend to, uh, at times, pull their money out of the market, go to cash, buy back in on Monday. So I think it was a combination of things. Uh, but he didn't really say anything that he hasn't said before. Basically, inflation is starting to come down from the numbers we saw a couple of months ago, but still at an elevated level. So, you know, I've talked about in the past why long-term inflation is a problem for an economy. Basically, what happens is you got businesses don't want to invest for the long term. It's like, what's the money going to be worth in the future? Individuals don't want to invest for the same reason. We then be see, see banks and financial institutions raising interest rates to try to stay ahead of inflation. Uh, we see investors starting to sell stocks, then to buy bonds as interest rates go up. That drives down the value of a lot of retirement uh, accounts and so forth. So lots, lots of issues. So basically, uh, the markets didn't like that news. Uh, we saw a big sell-off, but again, probably an overreaction. So speaking of inflation, we had a big inflation report come out today, the PCE, Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. It is another measure of inflation along with the Consumer Price Index and Producer Price Index. Uh, 
But this is the one the Federal Reserve tends to focus on more. Uh, what it showed is that uh, yearly inflation, they're looking at July numbers, then you take it out for, as if it was for a whole year. Uh, the numbers came in showing yearly inflation at 6.3% for July. That's down from 6.8% in June, but the numbers are still elevated. So that's what we had going on there. Uh, again, most likely an overreaction. So uh, we do see it quite often. It's also the time of year. All right, let's talk about uh, stocks. Last time, you know, I have to talk about stocks. Uh, they're part ownership of a company, uh, you know, ownership share of a company. All right, most stock is actually common stock. 97% of all stock is common stock. So uh, just by that word common, it doesn't mean common, not as good. It's not common to singer. I know who that is. Uh, it means common ownership. So if you don't hear it referred to any other way except stock, assume it's common stock. So 97% of all stock is common stock. Okay. Uh, about 2% of stock is called preferred stock. What that means is if a company has limited money to pay out dividends, cut of the profits, preferred shareholders must always be paid first. Uh, matter of fact, with the way some companies are set up, they have to be paid even if a company loses money. They have to pay them out of retained earnings. Now, that's called preferred stock. Uh, if you go back about 100 to 120 years ago, 1900 to around 1920, uh, preferred stocks were actually 20% of all stocks, but today about 2%. Uh, and any other 1% of stock is called treasury stock. It has nothing to do with the United States Treasury. But what that is, that is stock a company has bought back off the market, their own shares. Uh, sometimes they do it because they think their stock is, uh, is, is basically undervalued. I'll talk about why that's usually not the case another day, but uh, companies sometimes think that. Uh, but no, what it is, it's stock that companies bought back off the market. Usually, they're, they're providing it as compensation to their employees, executives, and so forth. A lot of times, it's the employees. Executives get what are called stock option contracts, a little bit different. But again, we'll cover all option contracts. We're going to cover everything on these, on these lessons. But anyway, the thing to remember about 97% uh, of all stock is common stock, 2% uh, preferred stock, and about 1% treasury stock. Now... Uh, if you own stock in a company, you are an owner of the company. So if you buy one share Starbucks stock, symbol SBUX, you are an owner of Starbucks. But does that mean you get involved in day-to-day -day operations? No, you, you can't just walk into a Starbucks, walk behind the counter, and say to the nice barista, excuse me, please step aside. I'll make my own drink. I am one of your owners. I mean, I guess you could do that, but you'll you get arrested. But uh, anyway, all right, so no, that wouldn't work. You know, everybody owns a share of stock in the company. They're going to get involved with running it. Now, what what, what happens is the uh, stockholders, also known as shareholders, uh, they elect a board of directors that run the company. You get one vote for every share of stock you own. So if you own 100 shares, you get 100 votes. And you get to vote on a board of directors and they are the ones that actually run the company. So that, that's how that works. Uh, but as a shareholder, you also have the, uh, the right to vote on big matters of the company. Like if uh, company A is going to buy company B, that has to be approved by the shareholders of both companies. Uh, and so you get to vote by what's called proxy, either by mail or now you can do it electronically. can also sometimes vote at a shareholders meeting. Uh, but here's something about that. Companies are not required to hold shareholder meetings. A lot of people don't know that. 
Uh, the Securities Exchange Act of 1933 does not specify the companies hold shareholder meetings. They just have to be able to let their owners vote on big matters of the company. Uh, most companies do hold shareholder meetings, but technically there's actually no obligation that they do. All right, so that's how it works with stock. Now, we also have different classes of stock, class A, B, C, sometimes even D or E. All right, most stock is class A common stock, so if you don't hear it referred to as anything else, just consider it's class A common stock. Class A common stock, you get to vote, one vote for every share of stock you own. What class B, C, and D stock often is, it's stock with more limited voting rights. Like you may not get to vote on matters of the company or just limited matters, and companies have different reasons why they do that. Uh, but anyway, but that's a class B, C, or D. But usually class A is the big one with the big voting rights, but not always. WWE uh, Wrestling, uh, New York Stock Exchange listed stock, symbol WWE. Uh, they had some weird setup. I don't know if they still have it, where Vince McMahon owned, he owned like 80% of the class B common stock shares, but it's, it, gave him, uh, it gave him majority voting rights uh, over to class A stockholders. So anyway, it can be different. So... Uh, we have that. We also have a breakdown of growth versus income stocks. Uh, the way growth stocks work is that any profits the company makes are poured back into the company for future growth. The idea is a share price hopefully will go up over time. What income stocks are is that most of the profit is paid out to the shareholders as a form of a dividend. Usually it's paid quarterly. Now, it's the board of directors that decides this. Uh, utility companies are well known for being income stocks, you know, power companies. What they do is they take most of their profits and they pay it out to their shareholders. Now, you can also have any combination in between, 50, 50, 75, 25, 25, 75, and so forth. Uh, one thing we also sometimes see are growth companies that pay minuscule dividends of one penny per share per quarter. Like, why even bother? Well, I can tell you why. There are some big institutions, particularly insurance companies, that based on their state charters, I think specifically the ones in Connecticut and a few other places, they are only allowed to invest in dividend-paying stocks. There's some uh, other financial institutions like that also. And so what happens, companies pay these minuscule dividends just to qualify as dividend-paying stocks for purchase. So we see that. Uh, one other thing also, uh, today most people that own stock own it electronically. They have a brokerage account. It says on a brokerage account, you own 100 shares of Disney stock. But you can still get certificates if you want to, a stock certificate. Uh, you basically have it printed and mailed to you. Uh, but it does cost money. I, I think it's a minimum of $100 per certificate to have it printed and mailed to you. But you can. Uh, it, it can take four to six weeks to get it. But, you know, if you're holding it long term, I guess, big deal. Uh, and then when you get it, you know, you put it wherever you think it's safe. Uh, and then if you ever want to sell the stock, you got to bring it back to your brokerage firm, deposit it, sell it. You can actually sell it first. You got to deposit it within, I believe, two business days. But anyway, uh, but yeah, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, my young days as a stockbroker, a lot of our older investors still wanted their stock certificates mailed to them, even if it took a few weeks. They pay the fee. They didn't care. Uh, because a lot of them were children during the Great Depression of the 1930s, or at least the late 20s into the 1930s. They saw their parents lose all their money when the banks failed. And so they never trusted financial institutions again. I mean, they did business with them, 
when they had to, but no, they wanted their certificates. But today, we, we don't see too much of that. But anyway, all right, so that's a little bit on different types of stocks. On the next session, I will talk about how to read stock prices. Okay, we got some news here, a few things going on. Um, uh, the um, Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon, uh, premiered uh, last Sunday evening on HBO. I saw it. I liked it. Uh, apparently, a lot of other people saw it, too. Over 20 million people watched it. Highest premiere in HBO history. It got approved earlier today uh, for season two. So some of you might be like, well, it's Game of Thrones. Uh, I mean, it just got approved now? Correct because of the amount of money it costs to make each episode. HBO did not want to greenlight a season two until they saw how season one did. And that's something to remember in the entertainment industry. You know, it, it depends on how much it costs to make something as to how big an audience it needs to draw to make it worth it. Uh, I remember the old TV show Time Tunnel from 1966. If you've never seen it, it's actually pretty good. Uh, it was this time machine built in a, a, uh, in a lab and these two scientists accidentally got caught in it, and they got dumped in different points in history. And the, uh, that was each weekly episode. And the other scientists back in the lab could see them wherever they were, and they were trying to get them back. But when they would, the batteries would charge up, they could suck them out of wherever they were. But they ended up dumping them somewhere else, trying to get them back. And, and every week they were somewhere different. One week they were at ancient Rome, just before Julius Caesar was assassinated. Another week, they were at Pearl Harbor the night before the attack. I mean, they never got dropped in some old lady's backyard in Poughkeepsie on a Thursday afternoon when nothing was happening. But anyway, it costs a lot of money to make this show. You got to recreate the Roman Empire one week, Pearl Harbor the next week. And from what I read, it had to be a top three hit to pay for itself. And it was like number nine. So it's still one of the highest. It was canceled. It just cost too much to make. So it was one of the highest rated shows in television history ever canceled. So... That is something to look at. Uh, I remember the movie Superman Returns, 2006. Uh, did really well at the box office and still lost money. Uh, I had a small part. In the, I had nothing to do with that one, but I had a small part in the funding to Superman 2, Superman 3. Uh, but yeah, you, you, got, you got to look at that. So uh, one lesson to all of you also, uh, particularly in entertainment, if you ever agree to a percentage of anything as compensation, always do box office, not profit. Uh, the reason, or at least box office plus streaming, uh, the reason is companies have ways to make it look like they've lost money even when they haven't. We don't owe you anything. So the percentage of box office and streaming. All right, we got a few other things to talk about. We'll wrap it up for today. Uh, Electronic Arts, EA. Yeah, that stock was moving earlier today. There were reports coming out of Sweden, of all places, that this company was being bought by Amazon today, and that announcement would come today. Uh, and the stock shot up on that news. Again, the symbol is EA, Edward Apple for Electronic Arts. Uh, uh, but that, that news was refuted fairly quickly. Amazon, uh, apparently some uh, financial people on uh, CNBC and a few other places, I guess they talked to Amazon. They said, no, we have no plans to make any kind of announcement like that. So... Anyway, the stock was at $130, almost $136 a share. Uh, today, that would have put them up about $9 a share. Today finished at just over $132 a share, uh, but they were still up 3.57%. There are rumors this company will be bought. Uh, some of the company rumors that I, we've heard could be Sony, Apple, uh, Amazon is mentioned. Uh, I've heard even heard Disney's name being thrown about. So we'll have to just see what happens. But that, that's what happened there. 
Uh, and then to wrap things up, uh, without making a political statement, I'm sure you heard the news about the $10,000, you know, uh, with the loan reduction, uh, with the college loans. Um, yeah, I know people have very strong opinions on that, one side or the other. I'm kind of neutral on it. I never had college loans. I was lucky enough to go to school on a scholarship. But well, one point I did want to make, and I respect opinions on all sides, yeah, that $300 billion number that's being thrown around, $500 billion, it won't cost anywhere near that. Uh, I'm not saying it won't cost anything. It will. Believe me, it will. It won't be that high a number, though. It has to do with the economic multiplier effect. Uh, what that is in simple terms, and I'll talk about the economic multiplier effect another day. What that means is the money that would have gone to paying back those loans will now be spent or invested in other places. And especially as the money is spent or invested, uh, if, if you spend your money at a supermarket, the supermarket has money to pay their employees, they employ, they, their employees then go spend money somewhere else, uh, and the money then cycles through around seven times. And what happens is that uh, tax revenue begins to come in from sales taxes and income taxes as incomes go up and companies' profits go up. So my point is it won't be as high, anywhere near as high as that number that was stated. But it will, I'm sure, cost something. But it will also be spread over several years with the U.S. government. Uh, and we have a $25 trillion economy, so $300 billion spread over a few years, $25 trillion. So not saying uh, it will not cost uh, things, but it won't be the numbers that were stated. So anyway, I just wanted to make that point. All right, so we've got to wrap things up for today. Hope everyone's doing well. Get back at it next week. Uh, again, T-Bill, uh, uh, Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. See ya.